What's up, everybody? Welcome back to an episode of We'll Laugh About This Tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Go Raiders. Get that cowboy ES tomorrow. Show them boys how it's done in Vegas. Uh, hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Uh, mine's going to be spent at work for half the day. Hopefully I'm off by around noon, 1 p.m., and then go get some grib. Uh, <clears throat> I got a lot of feedback. So my last episode was kind of all over the place, right? Uh, I was very uh, unprepared. I was going through some personal stuff, so like it was hard for me to like find time to do it. And I still did it, but I wasn't as prepared as I'd like to be. I was like in between. I had all this stuff written out, and then it accidentally got deleted. And yeah, it was a whole ordeal for me. So like all the stories I covered, Aaron Rodgers, Rittenhouse thing, all that stuff, it was, yeah, all over the place. Um, and I got a bunch of feedback, a bunch of people messaging me and telling me like, hey, no, you know, there, there's got to be more to your story of addiction and, and there's different paths you can take. And I know you dealt with this because I dealt with this. And like uh, uh, people, like like I had mentioned before, there's someone in the UK that messaged me and they were like, like, dude, I know you went through this thing and this thing and this thing because I went through them and everything you, you told in your first couple episodes, I went through. And for the most part, like, I tried to keep it, you know, somewhat PG-13, but I also just want to be myself and, and tell it how it is. So I'm going to do my best to do that. And we're going to kind of go back to the whole addiction and and stuff like that because there's a, a lot to talk about when it comes to that. Um, I want to talk about uh, enablers, people who enable addicts, people who know someone's an addict and yet they still give them money, still give them something to support their habit and then there's enablers that don't know and we take advantage of and i kind of want to get into that i wanted to get into my parents um, friends and family that did or did not know and kind of go through there uh, there's a lot of story to tell i'm sure i won't get through all of it but this episode's going to be probably pretty long um off the bat, I don't want you to think that this episode is just me bashing my parents and and just talking all kinds of shit about them because it's not. Um, it's just me telling it from my perspective, the facts that I know and the way everything was laid out the way it went. So, so here we go. We're going to talk about you know, people that enabled you. And I'm going to kind of go back a little bit. So, sorry, I had some technical, technical difficulties. There's a little split there. So, yeah, let's get into enablers. I'm going to go back a little bit. So, uh, little Nikki, little Nicholas, uh, I had a great childhood. Great childhood. I can't, you know, complain about my childhood. Uh, I, remember, I remember growing up in... Uh, Burbank here and there. Uh, I know my, my uncle, my, my dad's father lived in Burbank and we lived in Burbank, but I was really little, but I remember like playing with my cousins and stuff like that. And my first real memories come from uh, a little old desert town called Lake LA. And it was uh, in the eighties 
end of 80s, early 90s. And I remember it being super cool out there. Like we, we had this super cool house. Like I have all these, these photo albums my mom gave me of uh, Ninja Turtle birthday parties and me unwrapping Christmas presents. And the typical, you know, 80s, 90s, you know, photo albums with the Polar, the, the Kodak, you know, Kodak family photos. And I had a good, I had a good uh, upbringing. I can't say that I didn't. Um, there was no, you know, true signs of addiction that I can remember or anything that like, you know, set me on the path uh, of that, of the direction that I went that I can recall. I remember we moved to Palmdale and my my dad was uh, going to be in law enforcement and he went to do that stuff and then we, we lived in uh, Lake LA and then we moved to Palmdale for a little bit and then we uh, moved up to Tatchapee. I don't remember exactly what year. Um, it had to have been like 97, 98 when we moved to Tatchapee. And our first place we lived in was Bear Valley Springs. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Bear Valley Springs, California. And like I said, I can't, I can't think of anything weird. Like I remember like certain, like certain weird things. I remember my, pretty sure my parents were like friends with these, these swingers that lived down the street from us in Bear Valley. And like one was like a stand up comedian or some shit. And my, my middle brother, Chad, I always looked up to Chad, Chad the most because we, we were closer in age and we were, we were into a lot of the same things, uh, like video game wise and comic books and, and stuff like that. And he had his music and, and I had, uh, dirt bikes. Dirt bikes is what I found, motorsports. Uh, and I found WWF. WWF was my shit. And that's the bottom line because I say so. And so I was on the whole WWF kick. I think anybody who was growing up in the Attitude Era of wrestling was on the WWF kick. You either like The Rock or you like Stone Cold. I was a full-blown Stone Cold guy. Austin 316 all day. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, like, I, I, I had my wrestling. Like, that was my thing. Wrestling was my thing. And then I get to go to... Uh, elementary school for the first time I don't remember like any I don't remember any schooling until I moved to Tatchby which is kind of weird because I think I started third grade in Cummings Valley or something like that I don't remember first second grade kindergarten or anything like that I mean who does really and I remember third grade Miss Dana at Cummings Valley School shout out Miss Dana and then I had uh Mr. Cox in fourth grade and uh shout out to Mr. Cox and then fifth grade, I don't remember. Sixth grade, I don't remember. And then came junior high. And I remember, so before junior high, I remember sixth grade a lot because I, like, met people for the first time and, like, people my age. And, like, and at that age, you're allowed to, you know, hang out and play in the street and go to friends' house after school and little stuff like that. And, you know, my generation, like, we grew up, like, you get your ass home before the streetlights come on kind of thing. So, you know, parents were a lot more lenient than they are nowadays. I'm a parent. And I don't have that rule, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of uh, changed a lot over the years. So it's funny looking back on that. And a lot of people are just fucking wimps and sissies nowadays and sensitive about everything. So I remember, you know, seventh grade, 
and I met my future, you know, best friend, still talk to the guy, just talked to him the other day, I'm going to see him for Thanksgiving and all that good stuff, uh, he's probably driving right now, he, you son of a bitch, and, um, you know, and so, I remember meeting him, and his mom was a teacher, and he was into skateboarding, and and a couple of my other friends were in skateboarding too, and I started getting into skateboarding. So then skateboarding was my thing, and I've mentioned it before. So like skateboarding kind of was like my teenage years. I skateboarded all the time. I was pretty decent. Like uh, with my buddy, that his mom was a teacher. Like we, she would take us to the uh, skate park in Bakersfield. Uh, sometimes after school at the van skate park that was like the big thing you know like 20 bucks for an hour whatever it was and you know you'd go back to school and tell all your skater friends like oh i did this at the skate park or i did this or i dropped into this quarter pipe like oh you know that five stair in the back yeah i kicked with that shit and i was always bragging about skateboarding right like who was better who did who landed the most shit and 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 i don't know like what happened like really so like, so eighth grade, I get my first serial, serious girlfriend, go through that whole spiel of puppy love, and I'm never going to find anyone like her again, and I don't know what to do with my life, and then I get over that because she falls for some fucking high school guy, you know, some jock wrestler dude, I believe, I don't remember fully, I remember her, I don't really remember, we just broke up because I was still young, and she, we went into high school, and you got older guys. It happens. But I little did I know that I would turn into the person that I was, and I was uh, quite a ladies' man. <laughs> and that, uh, that's, that's just like, that's all I like to say about that. So we went, uh, went through high school. I was homeschooled for a bit. And I was, like, riding motocross with one of my other friends that I met and became really good friends with. And we rode motocross all over Tatchby, went to races. Uh, he was much, much better than me. So, like, I would go to, like, big races with him out of town and kind of be, like, his little, you know, buddy mechanic hangout, hit on the chicks at the races kind of, you know, friend. And we had a lot of good times. So that was a good time. And uh, that's when... Like, it was all about just girls and partying and hanging out and, you know, let's let's go find the slutty girls and all that kind of jazz. So, so I, I remember, like, drinking. Like, drinking was whatever. Um, but I don't remember, like, really doing any drugs in that, in that time. And when I turned 18, I moved to uh, Lake Elsinore, Temecula, California. And it was the same thing. Like, it was kind of like a shoe-in thing, too. Like, I was 18 years old, got offered a job in construction, got a free house to live in because the buddy I lived with was uh, sponsored by this place, and they were paying for his, his living situation. And all he had to do was ride dirt bikes, and then and then I just went to work for the company that he was uh, riding dirt bikes for. And so we had a bunch of fun down there. We'd have our other good friend come up from the Palmdale area and join us and, and – yeah, we'd ride, ride dirt bikes and then go hunt for chicks at the mall at the big old Temecula Plaza and bring them back to our cool little bachelor pad. And so the story goes, you know. Um, so then when I moved back to Tatchby, because I didn't last long. That was only like maybe six or seven months, if that. I, I don't even really remember. It wasn't super duper long. It was a cool part of my life, whatever. It was fun. And so then we, when I moved back, 
and that's when kind of like the friends group set up friend group that i was in was kind of doing their thing and i was kind of doing my thing still hanging out but <clears throat> going off a different path and then i like met this girl my my first real relationship and that lasted for about four years and then that's when i like met like the new generation coming up that were like a couple years younger than me like maybe I would say I'm 34, they're all like 28, 29, so like four years younger than me. And I was the cool older guy buying, you know, the, the beer for the parties and doing all that kind of stuff. And and then that's when, uh, that's when like pills and cocaine and all that shit like started coming around, you know, as you get older, uh, Pills were so easy to get back then, but it was always fun. It was like it was so so uh, unharmful. Like it wasn't harmful to us at all. Like we, you know, we'd pop a pill to have fun, go to a party, drink, kick back. Like it was never a big deal. It was never like waking up in the morning and being like, "Oh, dude, I need more pills." It was never like that. It was always just in the moment. Like, heck yeah, give me that. I want to feel you know fucked up, high, whatever. And during this time, it was kind of related to the first episode when I talked about my first knee surgery so like that happened and this is where I kind of want to go with this so I I remember during that whole time and and meeting my wife and all that stuff that you know from the first episode second episode there's these people right so like my mom I know for a fact my mom knows I, I was taking pain pills for my knee and I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if she knew or not, but she she probably knew, like, or she probably didn't know that I had a problem with them, that it was an addiction at that point. And at this point, you know, I'm getting married and stuff, and I have a good relationship with my parents. My, I'm over at their house all the time. Like, I, re- I had a real good relationship, had, had, keyword, a good relationship with my dad and, and my mom at this time. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. And... We, I start going down this path of addiction, right? And then my dad gets hurt and he jacks up his back. So he's getting all kinds of pain meds once a month, muscle relaxers, painkillers. And he's, he's giving them to me to get rid of them for him because he doesn't need to take all of them. So he'll keep, you know, 10 out of a script of 100 and give me the rest to get rid of them. But little does he know, it's, it's just me coming up with money to give him so I can have him. And after a while, my mom caught on because I remember he got his his prescription one day and he came to my house and he was like, hey, can you get here? Can you get rid of these? And uh, and he knew that like I was just like I had the money. So I just gave him the money. And he's like, oh, don't don't tell mom. Don't tell mom that I gave you these to get rid of or whatever. Like she doesn't want you taking them and blah, blah, blah. So he, he knew and I knew that, like, my mom knew I had a problem with them. Either I was taking them or I was a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever she thought, that's, that, that was the case. So my dad was always like, don't tell your mom, don't tell your mom. But my mom's not dumb. Like, she, she sees the transactions happening. She knows why I'm coming over for five minutes only and then leaving when I would usually come over for, you know, an hour or 30 minutes, whatever, at a time. And this went on for a long time, I, for, for a couple of years for sure, because he always, like, his was work-related injury. He had, you know, lawyers and doctors and stuff. So he was getting pain prescription, no problem whatsoever. And every month, I was getting that prescription. He wasn't getting it. 
he'd get it, give it to me. And it was me just keeping it. Or, you know, I'd make some weird, you know, side side hustle with somebody like, hey, buy these, buy these off me or, you know, something. And then on this day, I'll give you some of these or some bullshit like that probably. And so this goes on for a while. My, my mom knows that she he's giving them to me. Um, and I remember it gets to the point to where she tells me, because she had like her wisdom teeth pulled or something, and I asked for a couple of her pills, and she was like, no, you, you can have one. Like, don't take a bunch. Like, And even the fact that she gave one, and I think she knew that I had a problem with taking them was kind of like, whatever like okay she in my mind like she don't give a shit like whatever she's gonna let me have one and then eventually I end up getting you know half of her script or more than half of her script in my pocket somehow so let's go down a couple of years a couple of years down the road my parents are I'm a full-blown addict at this point I'm sure they both know because my dad's selling me his shit every single month and my dad don't care about you know a father can sit there and say like I love my kids I'll do anything for my kids I'll die for my kids but if you know your son is an active addiction or know he's addicted to pills or taking pills all the time, are you going to give him more pills every month knowing that he's taking them just because you want the money from it so you have pocket money to hide from your wife? Like, that's what he was doing. It was his money to spend on uh, weed or whatever the, the hell he was spending it on. And... He was doing this the whole time, and I'm not complaining because as soon as he gets the script, he's like, hell yeah, I got, I, kn- I know on this day I'm getting this many pills, and I could probably push it a couple days to pay him or give him a little bit, whatever, because it's my dad, and he's going to do whatever he, you know, for the money to get the money for him. So this goes on for a while, and my parents are, they, they, they moved to Arizona, and I remember it pissing me off super fucking bad because I went to my parents every day. I had a good, great relationship with them, and uh it it just pissed me off so when they did that like it was kind of like a like we went down there and had fun and all that stuff for a while but then eventually it just became bullshit my mom never came back never visited with my dad when he'd come up and never came up for holidays it was always oh come down here come down here and you know it's harder for us to make that trip than it is for two retired people to make a trip and it got to the point where I'm like, fuck it, like I'm not gonna waste my time anymore. And then, out of nowhere, boom! Oh, me and your mom are getting a divorce. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, all this stuff. Like, she she thinks I'm uh, a thief and all this, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, like this is my dad. This is the guy I've like looked up to my whole life. There's no way he's this whole person my whole life but secretly this other person. So I'm like, my mom's full of shit, or maybe my dad is this, you know, person I don't even recognize, you know? So I call my mom, and she doesn't even want to talk to me about it. She's just like, you can pick a side, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, and I told her step, I'm like, I'm not picking a side. If there's a side, there's a line down the middle, one foot's on the left, one foot's on the right. Like, I'm not picking a side. I just want you guys to be happy in this whatever this divorce shit is, whatever this fight is, split up, whatever. I'm not picking sides. I don't give a shit, you know, where it goes. And we just, like, my mom never communicated with me. She would just say all the things my dad did, but, like, wouldn't confirm them. 
So then come to find out a couple weeks later, my dad had been like stealing a bunch of shit. He was working at some place and he, I don't even remember the full story because I don't give a shit, but he was, he was working at some place doing some Tai Chi nonsense or something and they wouldn't pay him or something happened. So he went to go pick up his paycheck and the manager wasn't there. So he like hit everybody's paycheck and like stole some shit or something. I don't remember. I just remember he hit everybody's paycheck that worked there and super, super petty. And, and then he went to Walmart and store this. Okay. So he goes to Walmart and steals a bunch of shit. Right. And his story is that he goes to Walmart, gets all this stuff that he needs for his mobile home or trailer or uh, RV. When he goes to get in line, there's some guy there that cuts him off. And he just says, like, gets an argument with the guy. And the guy's like, oh, fuck you. Like, whatever. I was here first. And my dad just says, oh, fuck it. And just goes out the front door with all the shit. And Walmart fucking tags him on the camera. Gets him on the camera. Gets his license plate in the parking lot, all this shit. So he's caught red-handed. And this comes out after, you know, he's Mr. Innocent. And then I see, like, my mom tells me, and he actually has to go to court for petty theft or whatever the fucking the charge is. And he, and he goes, to, goes to court, pays a fine or whatever, and he's good. I don't know if that even is the truth. And then my mom, I finally talked to my mom, and she's like, no, this is going on all the time. This is all the time. You know, all the little gifts he brings up for the boys and this and this, all the little random shit. Like, he steals all that stuff from Walmart. And I'm like, there's no fucking way. But it's starting to make sense. I'm like, it's starting to click. Like, maybe he is just doing that shit for the thrill or something. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. So I try to talk to him. Of course, he says that was the only time he did it. But it really wasn't. It was just the only time he got caught or the first time he got caught. So... And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for my mom. Like, she's like, I'm tired of, you know, living with somebody that's a freaking criminal thief. And so that's, like, her reasoning for split. So then a couple weeks go by, and he's uh, working for some jet ski place or something like that. All in the meantime, this is, like, right around the time in the story from the couple, from the first episodes, like this is right around the time where I attempted to kill myself. Uh, he's still selling me pills. The day I told him I, I would try to kill myself, he sold me a bottle of pills. So it just like, he's always about money. It's always about money with him. Like doesn't care about family. Doesn't care about you. He just cares about having money in his pocket. So, a while goes by, and I'm like, I have contact with him, like here and there. I chat with him, I chat with him, and then my sister calls me and has this big old thing, and she's like, "Oh, Pop and Jason, my oldest brother, got into this big old fight, and and he says he's gonna kill himself and this and that." And I'm like, "Oh my god, fucking pity party!" I know it's not true. I know I sound like an asshole, but I know it's not true because he's done this before. So let me. Make sure you know that. Anytime something bad happens, it's, I'm going to kill myself. I can't live without it. I can't live without you. Did it with my mom when they first split. All kinds of crazy. He just does it for attention, pure attention. So I call him because for some reason, every time we get into a fight, he would call my brother, Chad, and my 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 uh, 
my brother, my middle brother and my sister and and complain to them like, hey, why is Nick mad at me? Can you call Nick and see what's up? Like, why he doesn't text me back? Or So he was like, always freak out for some reason when, when he would get in an argument with me or if I wouldn't text him back right away or wouldn't call him or whatever. So I call him and he's like freaking out and saying my oldest brother punched him or pushed him through some window or some shit. And it all just seems fishy to me because at this point, like, my, my oldest brother and my dad have never had a good relationship. And for my oldest brother to put hands on him, I would just feel like that was the perfect opportunity for my dad to fucking snap and go berserk and fight my oldest brother. Like something he's always said he wanted to do and, or, you know, would talk crap about or whatever. They, they just never liked each other. So it's like, so he puts hands on you and you don't defend yourself. You go through a window, supposedly. Cops are called, all this crazy shit, whatever. So, so the story continues, and it, so he's just a shit show. So then, uh, that that, and then I find out, like a couple days later, that that whole incident happened. My brother pushing him and pushing him through a window or whatever the heck it was, is because he stole a bunch of money from a place that he was working. Where my brother got him the job, some jet ski rental place, and they have him on camera. My oldest brother sends the video of my dad stealing money out of the register to my sister. My sister sends it to me. I still have it. If I wanted to be a complete asshole, I'd link it on this video. And he, it's a video, like, plain as day. He just He's, like, working on something. You see him, like, standing there, like, working on something. And then he, like, looks around, like, goes over to the register, just pops it open, takes a couple whatever, and just stuffs it in his pocket, closes the register, and just walks out and walks out the front door like nothing. And then come to find out it's like 1200 bucks that he's stolen total. And they didn't know where the money was going, so they installed the camera and boom. Gotcha, bitch. So that's why the thing happened. Because my oldest brother confronted him like, hey, where's the money at? Or like, hey, why are you stealing money? Whatever the situation was. And, of course, my dad denied it. I ain't stealing no fucking money. And then gets pushed over. It wasn't even through glass or a window as he was told, as I was told. It was just like pushed and he fell over a couch or some shit. So it, it was all warranted. Like, I'm pretty sure if you got somebody a job and then they were stealing from that job, you would confront them too. Whether it would get, you know, confrontational or not is dependent on one another. But I think maybe that's the reason why he didn't fight back because he knew he was wrong and he knew he stole the money. So why are you going to fight somebody for defending something that you did 100% do? And all in the meantime, he's he's still getting pills, still selling me pills. Whenever he comes up, he's got pills, this and that. And it's whatever. I don't even count on him for that anymore because he always has some weird excuse or, or oh, I'm not getting that many or this. Like he was always, because he was probably found somebody else to sell him to for all I know. I don't really give a shit. So fast forward, everything's okay for a while, like just normal. Everything kind of chills down. And... Backstory real quick on the next part of this. When I was, I believe, 18 or, or probably 19 or 20, uh, I bought my first car. And I traded in. I had a little beater, like Ford Escort. I traded it in at the Kia dealership for a Kia Rio. And I didn't get approved. And my dad said he would co-sign. So my dad co-signed for the loan. And then I got approved for the car. I had the car for 
well over a year. I had it for a while. All of a sudden, uh, I go out of work. I go out of town for work. I'm like, I didn't have any responsibility back then, so I'm like, I don't. And this was kind of before I was an addict, so so I just didn't care about paying bills, you know. So I don't pay the car. Car gets repoed. Uh, this is nine years ago, from where this next segment's going. Nine years ago, so he co-signs for this car, right? So I get a notice in the mail that the car is no longer in my dad's name. It's only in my name because my parents filed for bankruptcy. So now I have this repo of this car solely in my name on my credit. And I have all the documents. I, I've got all those documents. Well, you'll see where I'm going. So I, I, I get this letter again like a year later or maybe not more than that, like three or four years later, stating that I'm owed money when that whole Wells Fargo scandal went down and they, like, stole a bunch of money from people's accounts, and whatever. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember, like, the big Wells Fargo scandal. So I was owed money from that because they were charging me, they were charging me insurance on my car when I had insurance on it, when I originally got the car and I had insurance. So they owed me like eighty five hundred bucks. It was eighty four eighty or something like that. Eighty four hundred bucks, they owed me. Wells Fargo owed me. So I get this letter stating that they owe me, and it's addressed to me and my dad. So I call them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, you're getting a settlement. This is we owe you eighty four hundred, blah blah blah." And I ask them, "I'm like, hey, why is this addressed to uh, my dad and me?" And they're like, "Oh, probably." Uh, something to do with the loan or, or the account. And I'm like, well, this account's only in my name. Like, this car's only in my name as of a couple of years ago. And they're like, oh, okay, well, let us get back. Let us look it up and do our thing and get back to you. So they end up calling me back like a day later or something. They go, yeah, so when you first got the loan, your dad was on the loan with you. So therefore, like, the way they, they go back to the original loan date to get this amount of money that we owe you, and he was still on the loan when that happened. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, he filed bankruptcy, and the loan is only in my name. Like, oh, okay, well, you'll need to prove that to make sure we uh, send out the money correctly. So I'm like, okay, no problem. So I dig up all this stuff. I dig up uh, insurance records from when I owned the car. Luckily, Geico Insurance holds freaking old insurance ship for 20, 2,500 years. They give me the copies. They're like, okay, yes, this proves that it was just you on the car insured, uh, that this 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 form right here shows that he was taken off the car when, the, when he filed for bankruptcy and the sole remainder of the loan was uh, put in your name and only your name since he filed for bankruptcy. They went after me because I was the co-signer. Or the I was the whatever co-signer main person on the loan. Whatever it doesn't matter. The whole amount of the car is on my credit, affecting my credit and not his credit anymore. So I prove it all, and they're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, no biggie." So then my dad gets a letter. I get the same letter, but he gets a letter saying that this money uh, is is going to be sent out in like the next ninety days. Uh, you don't have to do anything if everything is correct. Blah 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 blah. So he calls me, and he's like, hey, I just got this letter from Wells Fargo saying that they're going to send out the check in, like, 90 days or whatever. 
and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, like once once you get it, just, uh, you know, send it my way. And he's like, well, the check's going to have my name on it. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Well, then, you know, some of the money should be mine. And I'm like, I already told you that I would give you, when, when, when he did the whole I'll kill myself thing, when my brother pushed him, I told him that I would give him money when I got that check to help him get into his own apartment. So I told him, I'm like, yeah, I'll give you like a thousand bucks, like fifteen hundred bucks or something, to help you get into an apartment. And he's like, well, no, I need more than that. And I'm like, what do you mean you need more than that? I'm like, this money is mine. Is you're you're not even entitled to this money. And you guys can comment whatever and and tell me if I'm wrong, if I'm being the fucking asshole here. But this money is completely owed to me because they charged my credit for it. They didn't. They it didn't affect his credit. He filed for bankruptcy. It's already off his credit. And we have this big old blown out argument. And I'm like, dude, like, sign the check, send it to me, or whatever, and I'll and I'll give you your share. Like, and he's like, no, I get half of it. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, so you're willing to lose a relationship with your son over money because you want half this money? Well, why does it have to be like that? Da, 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 da. I'm like, because you're choosing to steal money from me and keep that money to have or whatever and you don't care that I'm going to cut you off because of it or I'm not going to talk to you because of it you're going to let money ruin this relationship and I'm just like whatever I'm like no one will ever get the fucking check then like I'm not ever going to sign it if you're not going to sign it so there you go so then he and then we have this like blown out argument for a bunch of days and he like he he tells me he calls me uh uh, addicted to pills, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this big old piece of shit, and just says shit that's unforgivable. And at this point, I'm just like, I really don't even care about the money. Like, he is so greedy for that money that he is willing to just fucking ruin our relationship 100%, never see his grandkids again, never see my wife again, never have anything to do with my family cause, just because he wants half of that money. And And I was done. After all that, I was done. I was like, well, you know, thank you for telling me how you really feel. And at this point, I'm still an addict, so of course I'm going to take offense to it, and it's going to hurt my feelings. But the fact that that's that's his low blow is to call me an addict and talk all this shit about things I've done and whatever, and half the shit isn't even fucking true. It's just him trying to, you know, poke holes in my heart and hurt my feelings. So I tell him, I'm like, I'm like, I'm fucking done with you. Like, you're never going to see your grandkids again. You're never going to see me again. Like, and if I do see you again, like, I'm going to punch you in your fucking face. So this ends up going on for a while. Like, I just hold out and don't do anything with it. And and then Wells Fargo calls me and they're like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll hold on to the check. But the only way that any of you are getting money is if you both agree to split the check. So I'm like, okay. Well, and you're like, oh, your 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 dad has already agreed to split the check. So once you say yes, then we'll get the checks, you know, made and sent out to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm probably gonna, you know, take him to court, whatever. So I'll see what happens. And the Wells Fargo guy's like, whatever. Like, like he understands, but there's nothing he can do. He knows that the money's mine. He even tells me that the money's mine. But whatever. It's a, he can't get involved in a, a civil matter. So, like, I, I think, like, a two weeks go by, and I'm making him sweat, and Wells Fargo's calling me all the time, and and I'm just telling, like, I tell the Wells Fargo, I'm like, this guy is a liar, 
a thief, a con artist, and he just had a bunch of money fall into his lap that he can't get unless I say yes, and it's pissing him the fuck off. And I was like, so I'll wait as long as I want. Eventually, uh, I give in. I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, I might as well get, I like, I didn't even care about the money in the first place. So it's like, whatever, fuck it. I'll get four grand. He'll get four grand, whatever. Never have to have anything to do with this fucking person again. And that's the way it's been. This guy has completely cut ties with my family over money, over enabling my addiction, and then con- and then talking shit to me about it, knowing that he was damn well an enabler. He's a thief. He's a con artist. He steals money from me. And in my eyes, he stole money from my family. So I'll never have anything to do with my dad again. And if I see him, I'm he's going to get punched in the fucking mouth that's just the way it is and I will I won't ever see him so I'm not even worried about dealing with that confrontation he'll probably try to sue me or fall down and say broke his arm or some bullshit like this guy is just ridiculous he's he he tried to he came to Hatchby one weekend and got in some fight in the fucking Rite Aid parking lot because some dude cut him off like that was all over Facebook and people like it was so embarrassing I remember when that happened I was like like I don't even want to like I don't fucking know this person and it's it's just dumb like he, he it, that was part of the reason I found out too that my mom never wanted to come back to Tatchby because he showed everybody who he was in Tatchby like he was just a fucking asshole piece of shit con artist thief would do anything for a buck would do anything to fuck you over didn't care yet all he claims is he'll do anything for his family and he loves his family and He'll do anything for my kids and my sister's kids and my other brother's kids and these kids and these kids. But when it comes to money, oh, no. I bet you if I told him, like, hey, you need to watch my son for, for four hours. But if you don't watch him and leave him at the house alone, you get ten grand. He'd be like, well, where's that money at? Give me that ten grand. Your son can fucking survive for five hours by himself. He's only three years old. He's good. Like, he's just... He turned into this person, and it, it wasn't even that he turned into this person. He was this person this whole time that was just behind a mask that he didn't let his children see. That's all it was. And and my mom on the other side was, she can't sit there and say that she didn't know I was addicted to medication or pain, pain medication pills. She can't sit there and say and that she didn't know because I know she knew. There's no way in hell she didn't know. And then she just shuts herself off to me. She stops talking. She starts dating some fucking dude out of state, whatever. Just doesn't doesn't ever reach out to me. I have I, I was waiting. I waited for so long for my mom to reach out to me so I could try to repair that relationship because I at least want one parent in my life. And it took her so long to do that. And it wasn't even her reaching out. It was me going to the pool with my family and my sister coming with my mom and my mom having the balls to come over and say hi to us and actually talk to us for the first time in like almost two years. So don't sit there and say that you didn't know, mom, because I know you're going to listen to this and I know you fucking knew. So don't sit there and say that you would have helped me or done anything because I know you knew and you could have. And there's a lot of other people that could have helped me but they chose not to for whatever reason. My dad, it was for money. My mom, maybe because she didn't want to admit that her son was an addict. That's a good enough reason. 
but you still could have talked to me. You still could have approached me and been like, hey, Nick, I think you have a problem. But no, you just let the let me keep riding that dragon everywhere. And there's so many people like the like so those were like enablers that knew, right? Like they knew that I was addicted to pills. There's no way they didn't know. And then you have the enablers that are enabling without but she didn't know either. And then, you know, later down the road I would borrow money from her and like two hundred bucks here, three hundred bucks here, I'd always pay her back. And I think that's what masked it. Because I would tell her, like, hey, let me borrow 200 bucks and I'll pay you back in two days or three days. I would always make sure I was able to pay that person back because I knew it would get back to my wife and then I'd be in deeper shit for owing a bunch of people money. So that was one thing I always did when I owed people money. I always made sure I could pay them back. There was friends that I had that would let me borrow money and I would use some bullshit excuse like, oh, like I need to pay this bill and if I don't pay it today, it's going to cost me an extra hundred bucks for a late fee when I pay it tomorrow when I get paid. Like, can you just let me borrow 500 bucks and I'll give you back 500 tomorrow? Like, just shit like that. And there's people, and there was people that, I had a bunch of people that would enable enable me in that way and, and give me money because I always pay them back. I was pretty good about paying people back. I had a good job. I was able to, I was able to support my addiction. I mean, I had a good enough job to support my addiction and barely get by at home, but you guys catch the drift there. So, like, there, there's always enablers in your life, and there's a lot of people that won't step up and, and ask the question, real question, like, hey, what do you, like, why do you always need money? Like, are the people that know you have a good job? Like, you have a good job. Like, why, why do you always need money? And why is it always in some weird, like, I bet you if they look, I'm sure when they sit back looking at it now, it's kind of like, like, oh, damn, that was kind of weird or shady the way he asked me for money and the way he did it or whatever and I did it to everybody I did it to I did it to my wife all the time like hey I need money for this to buy this part for my car I need this to do something for whatever and blah 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 and so I could get money to go buy drugs and as an addict you don't give a fuck you really don't give a fuck even if I couldn't pay those people back I would have just been like eh, whatever I just cut them out of my life I never have to deal with it again you know but you know I always kept in my mind, like, there's going to be that one person that I do that to, and they're going to show up at my house and, you know, fucking damage my car or something. So I always was that person that always paid my debts, no matter what. Even when I had a large tab with my drug dealer, I would always pay it. Every time I saw him, I'd give him some sort of money. But that's just, you know, and there's people that don't have it as lucky as me that lose their job and go down that path of, doing heroin and living on the streets and prostituting themselves and all kinds of crazy shit. And I'm, I thank the Lord every day that I never, I never got that far and I never did those things like that. But if you have somebody that you think is enabling, enabling you and you know, it's going to tear them apart to admit that you're an addict or you're on the process of recovery you need to talk to those people. Talk to them. Let them know, like, hey, I don't know if you noticed, or maybe you did, but, like, yeah, I'm addicted to this drug or this drug because it, it's going to clear your head. It's going to make you feel so much better. Like, I, I, I've had spotty, you know, conversations with people here and there about things that, you know, they noticed or that I did that they didn't think, you know, was anything bad. But... 
no one really knows until you know. You know, you gotta you gotta ask them and and see where it goes. But I'm sure I'll get into more of this as more comes to my mind. Sorry, I was kind of all over the place. I, I I got all like pumped up about this episode because uh, some things happened in my personal life where like things were said that were just complete bullshit, and I was like, that's weird because I was thinking about doing an episode about people that enable you, and here I am. But it's just one of those things, you know. You just gotta just gotta push through it. Uh, once you push through it, yeah, you'll you'll be all right. Um. Go Raiders. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Hope you have a good holidays. Everybody travel safe, drive safe. Uh, if you're listening to this while you're driving, make sure you pay attention. And, you know, only heaven's right above it, right? Hey, guys. We'll laugh about this tomorrow. <laughs>